Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope. We have reached the third and final episode in our Christ in Prophecy series, answering one of today's most vital questions. What exactly is God doing in world politics? These episodes are designed to show you what God is doing in world politics relative to Bible prophecy. Our prayer is that you are filled with hope and encouraged to live and serve in these confusing times. Well, Tim and I have been showing you excerpts from our Lamb and Lion Ministries Fall 2022 Regional Bible Prophecy Conference. To examine what the Bible prophesied so long ago, we heard from Mondo Gonzalez of Prophecy Watchers, Al Gist of Maranatha Evangelistic Ministries, and our conference host, Pastor Steve Heaster of Emmanuel Bible Church in Three Springs, Pennsylvania. In the first episode of this three-episode series, we showed you highlights from my topic concerning Russia and China in Bible prophecy. I focused on Russia's role in the Gog Magog War as revealed in Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39. I was followed by Al Gis, who addressed Europe and global government in Bible prophecy. Al concluded that the European Union of today is the prenatal form of the revived Roman Empire that will one day soon give rise to the Antichrist and his one world empire. In the second episode, Mondo Gonzalez and Steve Heaster tackled the politics of the Middle East, and that's no small order. Mondo concluded that God still has a purpose for the Jewish people. He will refine a chosen remnant whose hearts will love their Messiah, Yeshua, and who will serve as a priestly people in His coming kingdom. Steve addressed the Palestinian people's role in the end times, and I do wish we had the time to show you Steve's presentation in its entirety because he took the viewer down the fascinating family tree of Esau, today's modern-day Palestinian people. And we also spent over an hour answering some of today's toughest Bible prophecy questions in our questions and answers session. Now, although we will not be offering a DVD of this conference, we do invite you to go to our Christ in Prophecy YouTube channel under the conference's playlist and stream free all of the presentations. We also offer numerous articles and sermons about world politics as they relate to Bible prophecy on our website at ChristinProphecy.org, so please check them out. This episode will focus on my topic concerning what God is doing in world politics as it concerns the United States of America. Does our nation even play a role in the end times? And if so, what is it? I hope to answer these questions as we pick up just after I made the case that the United States most certainly was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. So let's consider for just a minute, even as we talk about the United States, many have considered America to be a modern-day Judah, a modern-day nation set apart by God and special. We are a city on a hill, one of our founders liked to say. So let's look into that for just a minute. What's so special about Judah or Israel, the nation of the Jewish people? And I'm going to use those words interchangeably. Let's be very clear. Israel generically is the nation of the Jewish people. In ancient uh, history, Judah became the southern nation, and they were the ones who had more righteous kings. Some unrighteous kings eventually were carried off into exile in Babylon. The northern kingdom of Israel was the larger portion of the nation with most of the tribes 
They didn't have any righteous kings. They strayed grievously into idol worship and wickedness, and they were carried off by the Assyrians and really integrated in all the other peoples of that ancient day. So just to be clear, when I say Israel, I'm talking about the Jews in general. But they were set apart to do what? To be a witness of God and to be a channel of God's blessing to the other nations and peoples of the world. What do I mean by a witness of God? Well, the Jews were there to bear witness to the existence of God. In other words, to demonstrate that God actually exists. There are two different accounts of famous people in history, one being uh, Frederick the Great who asked an advisor, the other being King Louis XIV in France who asked none other than Blaine Pascal, a famous mathematician and philosopher, give me proof that God exists. And both of them responded in two words, the Jews. There's no way that any other people group could exist and could survive all of the persecution that they have unless it was supernatural. And the fact that they're here demonstrates that God is real. That was enough proof. Okay, I accept that. The Jews bear witness to the existence of God. They bear witness to the truth of the Bible. Once again, the consistency of Scripture, let alone all the examples of fulfilled Bible prophecy that we've been touching on throughout this weekend and pointing to the validity of the Bible and of the person, Jesus Christ. They demonstrate what it means to be in a relationship with the living God. We did a series on Leviticus couple of episodes of our Jesus in the Old Testament, and Nathan even observed, Tim Moore is one of the few guys that gets excited about Leviticus. And I said, I do, because it's so instructive. The Jewish people called to be in this relationship with God, and yet they recognized that it was very perilous to live close to a holy God. It's a very dangerous thing, and yet it's such a blessing. And we because of Jesus Christ, get all the blessing and none of the peril because we don't come to him imperfect and covered in filthy rags. We are washed by the blood of Christ. And so all we get is the blessing. But as we know, the Jewish people demonstrate when you stray from God, you get disciplined, punished. But when you are in a right relationship with God, there are blessings untold. They demonstrate God's unfathomable grace. What other people could could flaunt their wickedness in his face and him still be patient and loving kind toward them. No, they demonstrate God's amazing grace. They also demonstrate the soon return of Jesus Christ. We've said the return of the Jews to Israel is the greatest prophetic sign and bears witness that we are on the cusp of the second coming. You know, in 1948, any of you alive then? Several of you may have been alive in 1967, right? A few of you. You remember the response in churches around America, maybe in 1948, but definitely in 1967, right? When the Jews came back into possession of Jerusalem, the churches around America went, what? What? No recognition of the significance that some, some, of the commentaries recognized. I don't know how it's going to happen, but God is going to bring this to pass because he said it would, and I trust him. And just a matter of years ago, he brought it to pass. And still to this day, some Christians consider it a non-event, as Mondo described about his buddy. 
Well, what about America? How do we fall into this same pattern? Well, for most of our existence, America was unashamedly and unquestionably theistic. And not just theistic in any kind of, well, just faith in faith, like Oprah would say. We did not adhere to just any religion, but to the Christian faith, to Judeo-Christian principles. Over and over again, our founders made that clear. As far as the truth of the Bible, throughout our own national history, the Bible has been the singular revered book. To this day, people swear an oath when they give testimony in court. On what? A Bible. Our presidents take their oath of office with their hand placed on a Bible. And then they swear to uphold that oath, so help me God. You know, there are some secularists that want to get rid of all those traditions because they don't even like that little bit of theism. No, George Washington started that. Back 150 years ago, there were two books in every school classroom, in single-room classrooms. What were they, teachers? A McGuffey reader or something like that, and the Bible, guaranteed. And today, you're not allowed to teach it overtly in school. I believe the United States also demonstrates what it's like to be in a relationship with the living God. When we have imperfectly but at least attempted to be righteous and to uphold godly principles, then God's blessing has flowed on and through our nation. But when we flaunted wickedness, just look what's happening to us today. I believe he's lowering his hedge of protection and the spigot of blessing has been turned off. Now, does that not mean blessing will flow into our lives individually? No, of course. They do. They will every day. Tender mercies fall into my life and into yours. But from a national standpoint, I believe that God is poised to bring us under tremendous discipline or judgment, whatever you want to call it. And finally, why is he waiting? His very patience is a manifestation of his unfathomable grace. Because, as Ruth Graham Bell said, or Ruth Bell Graham, we deserve to be judged. If he doesn't judge us, he'll have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Finally, the soon return of Jesus Christ, <clears throat> there's no direct correlation other than this. There are more people proclaiming the soon return of Jesus Christ that hail from the United States than anywhere else in the world. We try to find sister ministries around the world. We have a dear friend in South Africa who's from Pakistan. We know people in uh, Pakistan itself, in Indonesia, but there are a handful scattered around. In this country, there are others proclaiming the soon return of Jesus Christ to those who have ears to hear. And yet, the vast majority of churches don't even want to present this message. Well, what about being a channel of God's blessing? How does that bear into Judah? Well, God revealed himself through them. All of the prophets are Jewish. God's interaction from Jacob forwards primarily although never exclusively with the Jewish people. God gave his holy word through the Jews. All the writers, we can argue about Luke, but all the writers had Jewish background in terms of recording his word. His word came through the Jews, and obviously he provided his Messiah through the Jews. Although very interestingly, again, not exclusively, there are three examples of Gentile women that are woven into the genealogy of Christ. Do you ever think about that? It's a great study coming up for Christmas. Tamar, Rahab, and Ruth.
all considered faithful, but not because of their own background. They, uh, they had, let's say at least two of them, a very checkered past, but in a moment of crisis, they trusted God and aligned themselves with his people. And God also enriched the world through the Jews. You know, <clears throat> the Jews have provided so much art and technology and blessing, just materially and intellectually to the world. It's estimated that although they're only, when I got this statistic, 13 million, Mondo says now it's coming close to 18, but right at 200 Nobel Prizes awarded to Jews throughout the years. The Muslim community is 1.4 billion people, and to date there have only been three Nobel Prizes awarded. So the Jewish people have been a conduit of blessing to the world. And again, during the millennium, which you've heard about, he will again restore Israel's primacy and make them a conduit of blessing. How does that play into the United States? Well, we cannot claim the same revelation of God that Israel experienced, but again, throughout our history, we have borne witness to God, just as that quote ascribed to Alexis de Tocqueville indicated. He didn't give us the Bible, but more Bibles have been printed in and distributed by the United States over the last 200 and some years than all the other nations combined. Praise the Lord. As a matter of fact, there are Bibles printed in the USA in virtually every country of the world, sometimes smuggled. And in most Christians' homes, excuse me, most American homes, there's a Bible, although seldom opened anymore. We have it, we don't revere it. Of course, he didn't provide the Messiah through us, and Jesus never set foot in America. We know that. We have no direct claim on Jesus other than the fact that we, throughout our history, have worshipped him and, again, have sent forth missionaries around the world from this country. And yet we have fallen off dramatically in the number of missionaries we send. Do you know where the, the number one country for producing missionaries has been for the last probably generation? South Korea, exactly right. You go to Israel <clears throat> on our trips, like I have several times, go down to Ben Yehuda Street, and you see the South Koreans out there singing, worshiping, and testifying about Jesus Christ. It's not America any longer. And finally, we have been a great conduit of blessing, extending liberty and prosperity around the world, but that we've made that our idol sometimes. Forget the God, just give me the prosperity. And so that's what most of the world sees in us. Americans are so very rich. They have so many first world problems, and yet they claim they have need of nothing. And yet they're blind and poor spiritually oftentimes. And sadly, there is no purpose or place for us, as I'll demonstrate in just a moment, during the millennium this, we will follow the pattern of every other nation in coming against the Lord, His anointed, and the people of Israel. So, regarding Judah, but applying to us, the Lord said this through the prophet Jeremiah, what injustice did your fathers find in me that they went far from me and walked after emptiness and became empty? They did not say, where is the Lord? Has a nation changed God's when they were not God's? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Brothers and sisters, if that was true of Judah, as they strayed from God, how much more true is it of us today, as we have strayed from God? He said this, Be appalled, O heavens, 
at this and shudder. Be very desolate, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. Don't misunderstand me. The original context of this verse was for the people of Judah and Israel, but it applies to us today in principle. As does this, a sad summary in 2 Chronicles 36. The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent word to them again and again by his messengers because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place there in Israel. And the Lord has raised up people like Nathan Jones and Mono Gonzalez and Al Guest and any of us who proclaim his soon return. But by and large, the largest society continually mocks the messengers of God, despises his words and scoffs. Well, we're not prophets. But we're just proclaiming his prophetic word until the wrath of God rose against them, his people, until there was no remedy. No, even the Jews at one point were so smug, that word was used earlier by Mondo, Lord's not going to punish us. He can't judge us. We're his people. We're a Christian. No, we're a, a godly nation. Jeremiah said, do not trust in deceptive words, saying merely, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. God lives here. He won't judge us. And if we take solace in the fact that we are, well, at least we were a Christian nation, God won't judge us. Those are deceptive words. Because God's favor is toward those who act wisely, but his anger is invoked toward those who act shamelessly. And even as we would consider ourselves sons and daughters, if we're Christians in this nation, he says, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. <clears throat> so what are the parallels between Judah and the United States? Well, both Judah and us today have had great leaders, freedom, prosperity, spiritual blessings poured out on our land. But that turned into a sense of pride that led to rebellion against the very God that would send warnings and judgments, sort of like Habakkuk prayed, Lord, send just a little judgment, a little wake-up call. What do you think some of our national calamities have been? How long did Congress put aside its foolishness and unite in prayer before God and singing amazing grace on the steps of the Capitol after 9-11? About two days. And it was back to business as usual. Over and over again, this was the pattern. And then the people would repent and God would relent, and he'd restore blessings to Judah until finally he was tired of the cycle, and he grew weary, and he rained down destruction. Why should the United States be treated any differently? So what is America's fate? I'll tell you where it fits into Bible prophecy. It doesn't, except this. All the nations will come against the Lord and his anointed. As was touched on earlier, all of them will be gathered into the valley of Armageddon. The nations and the peaceful devise a vain, futile, useless, hopeless thing against the Lord and his anointed, and the Lord sits in heaven and laughs. Not because it's funny, because, but because it's just pitiful that the nations and the rulers would try to flaunt his will. Zechariah says this, the Lord all the nations of the world. I think people respond to me. But that doesn't mean America, does it? We won't be in that. No, what all means 
all the nations of the world against Jerusalem, and then the Lord will go forth and fight as when he fights on the day of battle. So what are the two reasons I say America is not in Bible prophecy? Well, either we fall into prominence as a global superpower, and you say, well, how could that be, Tim? We're, we're so rich and we're so mighty. Look at our military. Yeah, right. Look at our whole nation. Y'all remember that great military superpower, Rome, right? Where are they today? Gone. You met any Romans lately? Nope. What about that great, great economic powerhouse that the United States actually borrowed money from? Venice. All they do today is produce blinds. That was just 150 years ago, and now they're blind makers. What about that great trade empire with colonies and trade posts all around the world? Huge powerhouse. Portugal. Where are they today? You heard of the Portuguese lately as global powers? No. Could we fall? Yes. Much more quickly than we would even imagine. It's almost inconceivable how fast our fall could come. But I think the more likely is the rapture impacts our nation like no other on earth. You see, brothers and sisters, I've served in a variety of capacities. I can tell you there are Christians in government. There are Christians in the military. There are Christians in schools and academia. There are Christians in businesses. There are even Christians in most churches today. <clears throat> you can think about that later. And when all those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ are taken out in the twinkling of an eye, I think this country will be decimated like no other. I think the world will fall into chaos, the kind of chaos described in other presentations. And just like Nazi Germany, before Adolf Hitler came to power, in the 20s and 30s, they were in such economic disarray. They had to have a wheelbarrow of money to go to the store and buy food. You better spend your paycheck today, because it'll be worth half as much tomorrow. Sound a little familiar to what we're starting to get a glimpse of in our country? And out of that chaos and that economic and national morass, one madman stepped forward to say, I can fix this. I can restore our national pride and make the trains run on time. And he did it. So impressive was Adolf Hitler that even people like Henry Ford were just blown away. Wow, let's give all the profits of the Ford cars sold in Germany to the Nazi party because they're making things happen over there. And yet, he led them to utter destruction. No, the rapture is going to happen very quickly. The church age will come to an end. We will go to be with the Lord in heaven while the earth goes into a period known as the tribulation shortly thereafter. And then the Lord will come. What about those who are left behind? Well, there is no good news story of going to heaven. Those who are left behind will endure the tribulation if they're able. Most will be killed. And so you cannot wait and say, well, if the church leaves, then I'll, I'll get right with God. You may not live through today, let alone live through the first hours after the church is gone. No what do you and I need to do? Taking a word from Daniel. The people who know their God need to display strength and take action now. We need to stand firm for righteousness. So what do we do? We share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not being ashamed of it, but knowing of its power. We know that the cross is foolishness to the world. That's okay. We know it is the power of God because it saved us. We pray. Pray how? Pray for what? 
Well, pray for repentance, starting with yourself and on behalf of your nation. Pray for forgiveness, healing, and intercession. Y'all all have seen 2 Chronicles 7, 14. It doesn't actually apply to the United States. It applied to Israel or to Judah. But the principle applies to us. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, we need to pray. But realize it's not a formula. One woman called our ministry and said, I prayed that prayer and God owes it to fix my nation because I prayed it. I said, well, that's not quite how it works. Yes, it is. It says if I pray, he will heal it. And I prayed. Why hadn't he done his part of the deal? And I said, there's more to it. But you are in a right heart attitude merely to humble yourself and pray. Daniel, the only prophet with an extended biography who was not given any negative characteristics, prayed on behalf of his people. And finally, we need to do homage to the Son. Even those kings are advised in Psalm 2, do homage to the Son, that he not become angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath may soon be kindled, brothers and sisters, his wrath soon will be kindled. John 3.36 promises us that. But how blessed are all who take refuge in him. Many are going to walk following after their appetite, especially in this nation. Their God is their appetite, their glory is their shame. They set their minds on earthly things, but that is not us. And finally, I'll say this. Our citizenship is not Jesus wrapped up in an American flag. I'm as patriot as anybody else. I served 34 years wearing this emblem. You would think I bleed red, white, and blue. I consider myself a Christian patriot. But Christian becomes before patriot. And I'll tell you this. This country has disappointed me many times. Many times. It's disappointing me right now. If you haven't been disappointed by me, you just haven't known me long enough. I'll disappoint you many times. Ask my wife. God does not disappoint me ever because he is faithful and true. And my citizenship is in heaven as I await my Savior and Lord. So know what and in whom you believe. Be ready to give a defense. And then do. Be in the world, not of the world. And keep your eyes on Jesus, looking for him to come. Does America have any hope or is its fate sealed? Dr. David Reagan asserts the brutal fact that our nation has turned its back on the one who has blessed us so abundantly. We are a nation that has forgotten God. The consequences are apostate churches and a society consumed with immorality and violence. America's suicide shares from the scriptures how God deals with a nation he has blessed that turns against him. America has crossed the point of no return and is thus on a path to self-destruction. The book concludes by talking about the hope that remains for both believers and unbelievers. The book is available for a gift of $20 or more, including the cost of shipping. Please call the number you see on the screen and ask for it by name or order online at lamblion.com. We hope these programs have been eye-opening to you, helping you gain a better understanding of what exactly God is doing in world politics so that you can better navigate these difficult days and have hope for tomorrow. The King is coming, and soon all this political nonsense will thankfully be behind us. Speaking of conferences, Lamb & Lion Ministries is only a few months out from our 2023 annual Bible Prophecy Conference. Make plans to join us on June 9th and 10th for our Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled conference. Our all-star speaking lineup includes Pastors Robert Jeffress, Erwin Lutzer, and Tommy Nelson. Additional details will be posted on our website at ChristInProphecy.org 
and registration is open now. You won't want to miss this event. Until next time, this is Tim Moore and Nathan Jones speaking on behalf of all of us here at Lamb & Lion Ministries and saying, look up and be watchful for King Jesus rules and reigns. Godspeed. Thank <laughs> you.